Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast, and it is OTA edition. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, joined by former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. And as I said, it's OTA season for the Ravens right now. There are three weeks of spring practices underway. Week one is in the books. They will have two more weeks of voluntary OTAs, and then they have a three-day June minicamp that is mandatory. For this first week of OTAs, the Ravens had about 70 players on hand. Roughly 20 were not in attendance, and many of those can be attributed to injuries. Guys like J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Ronnie Stanley, all coming back off major injuries, were not in attendance. Of course, the one player who was not in attendance, who is raising a lot of the eyebrows, is quarterback Lamar Jackson. He was not in attendance. By all accounts, his injury is not the reason he is not there. He has seen We've seen pictures of him over the uh, winter break working out with Rashad Bateman and James Prochet and others. But Jackson has stayed away from this first week of voluntary OTA workouts. It is perfectly within his rights as a player. The collective bargaining agreement makes these OTAs voluntary. I will say, in general, the quarterback is usually in attendance. Joe Flacco was always in attendance here, except the year his knee was being uh, had surgically been repaired. But then many veterans race. Ray Lewis frequently missed some OTAs. Terrell Suggs missed. Marshall Yanda, Haloti Nada, some of those veteran players would stay away for a while and then come back. But as I said, the quarterback is usually here, and when he's not, it's news. Now, we asked John Harbaugh about that uh, the other day at the one OTA that was open to the media, and it was clear John Harbaugh didn't want to touch the issue. He simply said, hey, uh, uh, we've been down this road before. You'll have to ask Lamar Jackson about that. And, of course, we can't because he's not here. But, Daniel Wilcox, let me ask you, is it a big deal or not a big deal that Lamar Jackson is not in attendance at OTAs? Um, I don't think it's a big deal at all, Bo. I, I feel like, um, you know, Lamar, is, he's hes a veteran now. He's a veteran player. He's no longer a rookie. He's, long, he's no longer a guy that's trying to prove a point that he can actually play the game. You know, um, him being the starting quarterback, it's a team leader and stuff like that. So you would like to see him there regardless. And OTAs has never been mandatory, you know. So since it's not a mandatory thing, you know, usually your key guys, your star guys don't usually show up for OTAs, you know. And um, quarterbacks are notoriously known for spending most of the offseason with the receivers, tight ends, throwing and catching, working on chemistry and timing and stuff like that. So he's he's done a great job of that so far this offseason. I wouldn't look too much into him not being there right now. Um, off seasons to me have seemed—I mean, they've always seemed to be extremely short. You know, you it feel, it, football is a year-round thing. Once you get to the NFL, it's not—you don't get this long break that people think you do. I remember taking like a vacation for a week, literally like a week after the season's over, and then from that point on, it was right back to work. You know, we right back to lifting weights, running, you know, training. You know, trying to keep our bodies in some kind of shape and build on what we did from last year and make our bodies bigger and stronger and faster to take the punishment that we have to take. Um, and you also have to take that time to wind down a little bit, to get your mind off football and get your mind with family and get your mind, you know, to be able to, to spend some time with your mom, your dad, your, you know, your brothers, sisters, your your girlfriends, your wives, whoever it is, your kids, you know. So um, the, the offseason is so short, you know, it, you blink your eye and it's over. You know, especially if you go deep into the playoffs. I remember in Tampa, we went to the Super Bowl and won it. And then we had to report back like almost a month later. <laughs> we had like three weeks off, it seemed like. And we was right back at it, you know, for, for um, organized team activities and off-season conditioning and stuff like that. So 
Um, I think this time is good, man. You know, I think it's good that he decided to, you know, to pull back a little bit to show some restraint. And um, and it's hard not to show up at these things because even though they're not mandatory, there's this overwhelming feeling that you got to be there. You know, it's frowned upon if you're not there. And we all think like that. We all know that, you know, but he's a guy. He's a premier guy. You know, it's been a contract issue for a while. You know, like, why not, you know, sit back a little bit, let them sweat a little bit. You know, we do all the sweating as players. People don't think we do, but we, I mean, this this is a job, people. Like, everybody have to understand this is our job, you know. And, you know, I remember telling people that I'm going to work, and they was like, where you work? Oh, man, it's not work. No, nah, bro, it's work. Trust me. It's the same, the same thing you feel when you walk into your job every single day is the same thing we feel. If it's, If you got somebody that you don't like, it's an uncomfortable environment. You know, so we have that same situation at our job. It's sometimes it's an uncomfortable environment. I think the crew in Baltimore do a great job of trying to make the chemistry perfect there. You know, they really do. It's a first class organization. Love Baltimore. But um, I think it's a good thing that he, you know, he probably took a couple of extra weeks or whatever to get himself together. And before he showed back up, but I think he's a pro, a real pro. So I don't think he's, you know, slacking or not doing the things he has to do to prepare or be ready to come back in. When he come back and shows up, I think he'll be phenomenal. And one thing I noticed about him, Bo, when I was first there, um, when I remember when I was doing the internship mm-hmm. with the Ravens a couple of years back, when when I saw Lamar, Lamar start camp, I felt like he was really like out of sync and just kind of unraveled a little bit. But after the first week or the second week, he started dropping dimes, like after dimes, after dimes. I usually think he takes like a week or so to kind of warm up once you get into that environment because there's no way to really simulate, you know, that full speed action once you get – to the field for OTAs and camps and all that type of stuff. You can't, you could go out and do seven on seven with guys, run routes with guys and do all that stuff that you do in the off season with other pros. But once you put them, that, that Jersey and the helmet on, it's a different feel. And the, you know, the movement is different. The vibe is different. You know, everything is, you know, it's, it's not even like there's so much pressure. I feel like that's on us. Every single practice practices in the NFL is like games almost, you know, so you, you always got to treat practice like a game. So a game feel like practice, right? You know, so um, I'm excited to see him come back. I'm sure he'll be sharp. So Marlon Humphrey and Mark Andrews were two of the ones that were here. And, and you know, I give credit to them. I mean, they're, Mar- Marlon Humphrey, they've both just signed, you know, multi-million dollar deals. They don't have to be there. And they were both here and they were both asked why they were here. And they kind of both gave the answer. Look, I mean, I, this is where I want to be. The, I, I love the camaraderie. I'd like to be here. I like to be in the building. Mark Andrews said, I, I just love football. I like being here. And Marlon Humphrey had said, look, I kind of feel a little obligated. They're paying me a lot of money and maybe I should be here for some of that. But you also get the sense with him, he just wants to be around the guys. It's funny you say that Lamar Jackson's making them sweat a little bit or might make them sweat a little bit. I describe Mm -hmm. this as kind of a slow burn of a story that I don't know that it is one right now, but if he's not here for any of the OTAs, now there's a three-day mandatory minicamp in June. And if he were not to come to that, he could be fined because it is mandatory. So we would assume that even if he misses OTAs, he would be here for that. But then, of course, if he doesn't look sharp, or as you said, he takes a week or two to get up to speed, or is he going to face some heat for not having come back in the spring? It's, it's just an interesting thing that I think won't go away. It's clear that John Harbaugh did not want to talk about it, but the bottom line is he will be asked about it until he comes back for sure. But now let's get, I'll get to a little bit of what I did see at OTAs. And I know, Daniel Wilcox, you were not there, but you know, they, they let the media go watch one practice. And a few takeaways I had from that practice, and I'll ask your opinion on some of these guys, but 
The first one to me was first round draft pick Kyle Hamilton really stood out. I mean, I know he's the number one pick, so a lot of people are going to be watching him to see what he does. He just moves so well. He's he's big back there at the back end of the defense. Now, Marcus Williams, another veteran and a new addition to the team, was not there for that practice. But Hamilton sits in the back of that defense, and he looked so comfortable. He's calling out checks. He's, he's getting people lined up in front of him. It looked like he'd been there four years, and this was basically his second full-team practice. Um, and the other thing I loved about him, they do this thing at practice where they have these one-on-one matchups. Harbaugh loves it for the competitive spirit where they'll have a wide receiver go against a defensive back or they'll have a safety go against a tight end or a running back. And it's just a, it's a quick pass play and it's, can you catch it? Can you defend it? And Hamilton was lined up one time on their new rookie tight end, Charlie Kolar. And Kolar made a nice move. The ball got there and Hamilton broke so fast and got a hand in on that ball and broke up the pass just as the ball got to Kolar. It was a clean defensive play, broke up the ball, terrific defensive play. And then about three reps later, he had the same exact kind of play with their other uh, rookie tight end, Isaiah Likely, did another great job to break on the ball quickly and get a hand in there and make the play. So he was really impressive. Now, what was not impressive was actually the wide receiver group. And I know it's the first day, it's second day of May. Uh, the backup quarterbacks are the ones throwing the ball. So it's I'm not going to read too much into it. But Rashad Bateman had a couple pretty bad drops in that practice. One where he was open on the sideline and just turned up field without the ball. Uh, another one that was a deep ball, he got a step on Brandon Stevens. And it would have been a tough catch, but as a guy that they are really promoting as the number one receiver now with uh, Marquise Brown gone, that's a play you'd love to see Bateman make. And judging by his reaction, it looked like he thought he should have made it too. And even your man James Prochet dropped a pass, which I never can remember ever seeing. His hands are so, so good. But look, it's just rusty, uh, and I'm not going to put too much into it. But it was notable that Prochet, Tylen Wallace, Bateman, uh, Jalen Moore, practice squad receiver, all had trouble with the, with the drops in, the, in that practice. But I wouldn't worry too much about that. Another thing that struck me watching, and we talked about the players who were not there or who were there, one guy who was there who I was quite surprised to see on the field was Justice Hill. They're what was going to be their third running back last year who had a torn Achilles before the season began. I didn't think we'd see him till training camp. He was on the field and moving pretty well. But I look at that running back room and I say, well, if Dobbins is healthy and Edwards is healthy, you've got Justice Hill. You've just signed Mike Davis as a good veteran addition. You've got Tyler Beatty, you just signed as a uh, drafted as a rookie sixth round pick, and he made a really nice catch out of that backfield, a little one handed catch in the flat. Um, and if Beatty can contribute as a receiver, that could be a room for him. But and then you've got Justice Hill. It's going to be a difficult decision for this team to figure out who will make this team at running back uh, if all those guys are healthy. Now, if Dobbins or Edwards has a setback. You're suddenly in a better spot because you've got Hill, Beatty, Davis, Nate McCrary all competing for a roster spot. But is it safe to assume they want to get back to that run-first identity with Dobbins, Edwards, Hill, Davis, whoever they have back there? Um, I think you, I think it's a constant change with the times, you know. So when you look at the running back situation, it, it definitely says scream, we're going to run the freak out of the ball this year because they got some studs back there, and they're extremely deep. But, I mean, everything the Ravens do is calculated. So don't I don't try to look into anything that they do. They could just be loading up the running back room just to make trades later on. You know, they, they know how important 
it is to have a great running back if you got a good quarterback and you got good receivers. You know, like the running game is going to open up the passing game, just like the passing game open up the running game. You know, but when you can't pass the ball and you could run it, I mean, it changes the whole complexity of the game and it slows the game down, you know, so people can't blow you out, you know, score a ton of points. If they can't get the ball back, they can't score, you know, so having great running backs and great linemen, man, is really the the, the foundation of any great offense. And, you know, when you got a quarterback as dynamic as Lamar, you know, who could lead the whole league in rushing if he needed to, you know, so, I mean, I, I think they got a, a pretty dynamic backfield. Um, I think the running back room itself would be a very interesting room to kind of sit in and be a fly on the wall to kind of see or to kind of just to feel that energy because there's so many studs in that room. Their running back room is set up kind of like how most receivers rooms are set up where you got all these dynamic receivers, you know, kind of like what Cincinnati was dealing with last year. And when they went, when Cleveland and Landry, you know what I'm saying? Like that's usually your receiver room. That's deep like that with all these badasses, you know? So to see the running back room, you know, that's basically like having Emmitt Smith, Freaking, you know, um, Fred Taylor, you know, Frank Gore, all in, you know what I'm saying? Like all in one room. And and to me, that makes up a great dynamic. You know, I, I think you got some really prolific type players at the running back spot, you know, in Baltimore with so many injuries last year. To me, it seems like they're trying to make sure they're deeper than ever this year. They, they're not trying to put themselves in a situation where they could possibly fail and have the season they had last year again. They're not trying to replicate that at all. And I, that's hats off to you know, Eric DaCosta and company, that just shows you that they're trying to be more and more prepared, always trying to be ahead of the curve. There, We did not see either of the starting tackles, so it was hard to get a sense of what that offensive line will look like, and that's kind of hard to get a read on anyway in the OTAs. But when they get Ronnie Stanley and Morgan Moses back, presumably that, you know, that line will come together and that, that running game has a – they want to run through that running game. That's how they want their offense to be. One thing that struck me about this OTA too was that we still don't know what's going to happen with this pass rush because Tyus Bowser is coming back off his Achilles injury. Jalen Ferguson did not practice the day that we were out there, and and apparently he had been out there the day before that. Of course, uh, their second-round pick, David Ajabo, who they think is going to be a really good pass rusher, tore his Achilles in March, so they probably won't have him until at least November. So right now you're going, well, where are the pass rushers going to be? Adafi Owe will be back, and he looked good coming off a off-season shoulder injury, uh, surgery rather. Dalen Hayes got a lot of reps. He's a second-year guy out of Notre Dame who played just a little bit last year before he got hurt, and he's potentially a guy who could factor. But I think the pass rush is something to watch, and it's hard again to watch that in OTAs, but it struck me that right now there's still not a lot of depth there, and we question whether they will go out and sign Justin Houston again or find another veteran to at least do some filling in because it's not very deep right now in that pass rush. All right, as a player, Daniel, you got two more weeks of OTAs. Uh, you've got, you know, they finish week one. There's next week, three practices. The following week, three practices. As a player, what are you trying to get out of these next two weeks of OTAs? OTAs, to me, is an opportunity to just work on timing and chemistry with the other teammates and players and just kind of get back into the swing of things, knock off some of the rust um, and, st- and stuff like that. To me, organized team activities have always been a way to kind of get some sneaky reps in, I think, before the season starts, right? You get a ton of reps through OTAs. A lot of it is in jerseys and helmets, so you don't get beat up and banged up very much. But then once you put those pass on, it's on and popping, you know, so – um, to me, OTAs have have been the opportunity to show the, the coaching staff or the training staff that you're in shape, 
<clears throat> that you treated off season the right way, that you're a pro and and you're prepared and you're ready to come back into the season. It's their opportunity to get an early look on you and, and say, go back to those meeting rooms and say, whew, Wilcox looked great out there, didn't he? Boy, he came back ready. He's he's pumped. He's amped, you know. So it's that it's that opportunity to kind of show that you put the work in this offseason and you're ready. You're ready. Not, not only are you ready, you're ready to compete for a starting job. You're not ready to come in and be a role player. You're ready to be that guy for them. And, and it's important for those young guys to kind of put a stamp on it before those older guys come back, you know, because usually a lot of times the older guys, you know, sit this 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 OTA portion out. You know, it, it get a chance for those young guys to get the butterflies out. You know, by the time the older guys come in, they feel like they're established in the locker room a little bit. You know, things change once those big guys come in. You know, I remember being in the locker room and the first day from my first year in Baltimore and coming in and OTAs and stuff like that. And and it was really impressive, I think, for me, you know, to be in a locker room with Ed Reed, uh, Terrell Suggs, or Ray Lewis, um, you know, so so many great, phenomenal defensive players and offensive players. And I felt like walking in that locker room, I just wanted to know where my locker was. You know, I, I sat down, I, you know, I see Heap locker right beside mine. And, you know, over in the corner was Ray locker. Ray had like two lockers. You know, he's the only person <laughs> in the whole locker room with two lockers. You know, it was just an amazing feeling. And they, then Deion Sanders come in and then they, they put his lockers like two, to, like two lockers down from mine. You know, it's, it's such a cool experience. You're trying to take a look at, you're taking a look at all the names that you grew up watching play the game. And all of a sudden you're in that locker room and there's a, a sense of nervousness that comes in. But as those guys starts to check in, you know, one by one, you know, every week there's another OTA, <laughs> you know, somebody, none of these are mandatory. They might take the first two OTAs off. Next thing you know, they they there week three. Everybody's going to be there at the mandatory one. You're like, Oh, sh- you know, none of the big, everybody's here, you know, your starting quarterbacks there, you know, the guys that you've been biting your nails on to see, now they're finally here. And the whole dynamics of the team changes. It comes from being like your team as a rookie or as a young guy where you've established yourself in a couple of weeks to be that guy. And all of a sudden, you're not that guy again all over. It's, it's, so, it's so crazy, but it knocks the edge off. Like OTAs for the young guys knocks the edge off. For the older guys, it's like, man, why are we here? You know, like we, we, I know the defense, I know the offense. I don't need to come here and, and, and you know, put together a cheat sheet to make the, the, to figure out what's going on. I know it already, you know, so I'm here to sharpen those tools and sharpen everything up, you know, but I, I don't need to be here for this first couple of weeks or whatever. I'm going to let them have that, let these young guys get a chance to get their reps in and stuff like that. But for the guys that are nervous, you know, those older guys that are nervous or, you know, maybe a little bit rusty because they had a bunch of injuries last year. You know, it's kind of good to get back into the swing of things and kind of get your body moving and to kind of get some reaction stuff going. In the offseason, Bo, you get a lot of training, a lot of work, a lot of change of direction stuff, a lot of speed work, a lot of explosive work and stuff like that. You're preparing your body, but thing that can prepare your body for reaction. You know, so once you get to practice, it's all reaction movements now. So now you're going to be sore in, in muscles that you felt like you haven't used because there's so much muscle memory involved when training in all season. Yeah, and I mean, you thought, you mentioned, you know, the, the older players being away, and we've talked about Jackson, but mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, this is this is a great time for, I mean, I, I look at Calais Campbell wasn't here. Okay, that's fine. He's played 16 years or whatever. He's, he's going to be, we, they know what Calais Campbell can do. Frankly, I think coaches just as well would say, you know what, Clay, sit this out. We're going to see 
three weeks of our younger guys, like their their rookie draft pick Travis Jones, an interior defensive lineman. They want to see a lot of him, and and they'll get a lot of they'll get a long look at him through OTAs. Michael Pierce, they just signed, he was not there, so Travis Jones was really getting a lot of reps in there. And they think he's going to be a good player for them. And so for the young players, this is a great time. And as I said, for someone like Justice Hill, who frankly does not have a roster spot right now, and he's going to have to earn it again. And for him to be on the field now and looking good in this first, you know, first set time out after tearing his Achilles, that's a, that's a good, it's a good look for him. There's no way, there's no denying it. It's a good look for him. Mm -hmm. And of course, then they get an extended look at some of these other rookies, like the tight ends I mentioned, Kolar and Likely, who are good looking players. So they'll get a lot of that. All right, one final thing for you, Daniel Wilcox. I have to bring this up. Uh, our Believe Partners in Pittsburgh with Ike Taylor on their podcast did a ranking. This is the time of year everyone likes to do rankings. There's no games to talk about, so people do rankings. He did a ranking of the quarterbacks in the AFC North. And his quarterback ranking in the AFC North, number one was Joe Burrow. Number two, Deshaun Watson. Number three, Lamar Jackson. And number four, Mitch Trubisky. Your thoughts on that ranking? Um, first of all, Ike Taylor played for the Steelers. So, you know, Lamar Jackson should be third or fourth or whatever. You can't ever, you know, go deep when it comes to the Ravens <laughs> versus Steelers, right? You know, so I, I, I don't think it's a bad ranking. I mean, Deshaun Watson is an Atlanta guy. Of course, I give props to that because he's from my area. I watched him as a, as a high school kid. Kind of balling out, you know, playing for Gainesville. Um, he's a stud, you know. Joe Burrow, he he earned the number one spot right now. I can't, I don't think you can take that away from him at all. I think he earned it, you know, going to the Super Bowl last year. Um, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson to me is a toss-up. I think I would put Lamar and Deshaun just because he did play last year. Lamar didn't have the best season that people would want him to have. But when you really look at the numbers, he was doing a pretty phenomenal job last year. Until he hurt. You know, it just things don't the ball don't always bounce your way the way you want them to. You know, some years you throw for freaking 20 long distance touchdowns. Some years you throw for 10 short distance touchdowns. You know, last year was one of those short distance for him. But number wise, he wasn't doing bad at all. You know, overall, it wasn't bad. When you start looking at the number as a whole, he still had a pretty decent season. Um, before the injury, and he missed the rest of the season with an injury. You know, Deshaun Watson didn't get a chance to play at all last year. You know, so you can't, you can't, it's hard to, you, you're going off what he did two years ago versus, you know, what he did lately, you know, so, but he's a stud, and you can't take that away from Deshaun Watson. He's going to be a, a phenomenal once he gets back on the field. Um, and Mitch Trubisky, I think, definitely would be the fourth one. He's definitely the fourth spot. I don't care what nobody say. <laughs> Mitch is definitely number four. Um, I think I would probably switch Lamar and Deshaun. If this was my ranking, of course, but I'm a I'm a Raven. I mean, what what can I say? I'd probably put Lamar at number one because it's because I'm a Raven. You know, it's just pure to my heart. I, mean, I just feel like we're always better than everyone else. Um. So, but Joe Burrow earned it. He earned the number one spot. I think Lamar would probably be number two for me. Um. Deshaun would be number three. He's an ATL, and I'm gonna hold him down, and I'm definitely gonna put Mitch fourth. <laughs> well, I would put Lamar Jackson second as well, and I, you know. My thought is, you know, Watson hasn't played in a year, and he could be right. facing a suspension. And Jackson, you know, he did struggle last year. There's no doubt about that. He struggled the second half of the year, especially before he got hurt. It's not but fair, though, Bo. It's not fair because everybody was hurt. You, know, you had no running backs. You know, by the, all your running backs were gone. You have no running backs. You're bringing guys off the couch to play running back for you. So you, And then your whole offensive line is beat up. None of them are playing. They all are playing out of position. 
So he had no, he got sacked more than probably anybody. He did, he did his entire life last year. So, I mean, it's like, you can't be mad at him for that. You know, so it's like, I, I still will put Lamar too. No, I, I would too. And and I yeah. also said, you know, for for all the Lamar Jackson haters out there, and there, you know, there are, there's plenty of them. He's 37 mm-hmm. and 12 as a starting quarterback. And that That's is, real. in the end, as John Harbaugh said, winning is what matters. And Jackson has won. And so, look, it's an off-season ranking. People want to talk. These things will sort themselves out over the season on the field. And in January, we'll be able to figure out who was one, who was two, who was three, and who was four. But based on last year and where they're at right now, if it were me, I would have Lamar Jackson ahead of Deshaun Watson. But they're going to have two games against each other, presumably. And I know they like to say, well, quarterback doesn't play against a quarterback. A quarterback plays against the other defense and so forth. But it will be fun to watch. And Watson, certainly Watson coming into the AFC North really does add a little juice to this division. As you said, a Steelers guy, of course, he can't put a Ravens guy too high on any ranking, right? So (laughs) that's how it works. That's how it works. All right, Daniel Wilcox, we will be back with another show next week uh, as we look at week two of OTAs and this spring period begins to ramp up toward the mandatory June minicamp. Will Lamar Jackson be there? Will he not? We will have to wait and see. And of course, that will be one of the main talking points next week, whether he is there or not. All eyes will be on Lamar Jackson's status at these OTA sessions. For Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smoga. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Believe in the Ravens podcast on the Believe Network.